It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. I want to clap. Go ahead. I want to clap. You clap. Why you are you clapping? Why? Because it's a very important day. What day is that? It is our five-year anniversary. Five years? Five. For, for you and I? Yes. Get out of here. I swear. How'd that happen? It flew. What? I can't believe it. Uh, I I don't know. I can't believe it. Where does that come from? I haven't done anything for five years. <laughs> or anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I just cannot believe it. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, it flew by. Oh, well, yeah. Time The time is just gone. But, I mean, the, the monumentalness of... Being, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't have any longevity in anything. I'm not kidding. So five years to me is just an amazing achievement. I have to agree. It is right. <laughs> well, yes, because uh, when you know, I we rarely do anything for five years, let alone walk and breathe and talk uh, and eat and shit and whatever else we have to do. So, okay, uh, five years of this is uh, wow. It's been amazing. It, it is still, and it continues. It is, I say it all the time, it's a mind blower. To get married at this age is just, uh, wow. Courage. And yes. <laughs> yes. And how fitting we should be doing a topic on, um, well, not divorce, but, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, everything that goes into pre-marriage. You've heard of done being single? We're done being married. No, just <laughs> kidding. This is not the case. Are... Uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about, gosh, premarital everything. And I think that's going to come in handy for people that are newly single. Yes. Newly divorced. However, maybe it's the same thing. Yes. And getting ready to get into a new right. relationship. Getting out of marriage one, going on to marriage two, maybe three. But this is for people that are serious about the relationship they're in. Absolutely. This and they're is... taking it to the next level. We probably should have had this episode before we got married. We, How would it who have knew, affected though? Our... I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It wouldn't have affected your dowry. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or mine to you. So it doesn't really, I don't know how that, you know. But it does, it, 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 but it, 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 you know, affects a lot of people. It, it does. And I think people go in not thinking about these type of things. Right. And wish they did. And it's obviously very important to... Yes, it is. I, I remember... Couples. Do you remember we did a little marriage test before... We, I don't remember we were at your place and we did like a, we filled, we did like a questionnaire, like a 30-question, are you compatible? Are you ready for marriage? Here's what you need to know. Here's how, what you should know about did, each other. Do you remember that? You hate those. How did we do? Well, it wasn't like you pass or fail. You just... You get to... You learn about each other. Okay. But I know you hate those because we just did one the other day, yeah. which I, I found online. It was really cute. Like, yeah. what's your favorite tree? What's your favorite song? I mean, there's still stuff that we don't know. Yeah, I don't like that stuff at all. You I, hated it. I, you yeah, hated I'm not a fan of it. I like. Stuff. I wanted to know your goals and your. It reminds your me of aspirations. Yeah, and that's not, why do Why do you hate it so much? I, it's it's not that I hate it. I just. Uh, 
I don't know. I think I, I everybody just... should do that. Okay. Right? Um, you got to know what you're getting slightly. into. I, I just don't. I don't know. I think that it's okay. It's so it, it, on a, on one level, it's so superficial, and I, I don't know. I just find that I juvenile but i think i love it okay it's all right i love all that stuff mm-hmm. tell me who you are tell me what's in there mm. How, you know, uh, can, all right it can only help i think all right but we're, uh, uh, but we're we're well on our way to um to greatness in this marriage and so oh, yeah. i don't you know and, and and i love the element of surprise as you know so anything that comes up there is no shortage of surprises there's, right it's here. never a dull moment here no at, Where is the beef? At Shea Sharp. Well, no, it's uh, very true. Uh, but um, There's no proof of anything. There's no proof of anything. <laughs> but aside from that... So also what this episode is going to be good for are people our age with children that are getting married and going through the prenuptial process. and <laughs> Right? So, so it's not only good... It's not only good for... Good information for people remarrying it's also good for their kids that are getting married for the right. first time and dealing with all this stuff so we're going to cover that as well and we've got two great guests we do we do we've got a lawyer and a, and a therapist and i am fascinated personally i'm really looking forward to this getting okay. into everything that goes into i mean the stuff we didn't do what I, happens in those in a lawyer's office uh, what do you need to know financially and legally and the closest I have gotten to this process was when we did our wills, mm-hmm. which was a couple of weeks ago, which, by the which way, was, yes. Very which I've never done. Mm-hmm. That was heavy. It is. That was very, very, may I say it? Sure. It was very heavy for me because I have never confronted, addressed, even thought of those things. I don't have kids. I don't have siblings. It was like a moment there where I went, yeah, you know, it was like, uh, I can't even describe it. It was, uh, maybe I described it to uh, Lauren yesterday. I don't can't remember to someone that it was like equal parts, fantastic information and scary shit. You know, it, it was, um, it made you confront things that you just haven't really had to think about before and that is who do you want to leave things to who do you respect enough to trust with decision making for your health directives executors things along those lines and it's just very wow, important it and did. how comforting is it though to do it and get it out of the way yes I mean just to have it done oh, yeah. and get it done and not have to worry about it it's just it's done so uh, which is so important and I'm sure that our guests will talk about that because we don't want to leave things for probate right. in the state to make decisions right. for us. We no, want to it, have that ability. Yeah, it was the it's the responsible thing to do. Thank you for getting to it. It only took four. Or a little maybe late. See, this well, is stuff. This is do you do this beforehand? No, you do this before you get. Married? I wanted to make sure you were serious about the relationship before we, <laughs> we went there. before before. <laughs> I, I wanted before to know you give that, me the power to pull I, the plug. I, I wanted to really test the commitment, and then you know, okay. All right, so yes, that's what we did that a couple of weeks ago, and it was just like, I whoa, but it was good. And I highly recommend it, and everybody should do it. And it makes you feel safer, more secure. You can you kind of know what the future is going to be. That and you're going to, you know, and for, like, again, for someone like me that feels like, uh-oh, I have no one. What's going to happen? 
who's going to have my back? Who's going to, I don't have, you know, it was, it gave me a little bit of comfort. I'm glad. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. I love you, honey. Love you. Okay. Fist bumping in okay. the studio. And we got a guest <laughs> fist bump too. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's adult stuff you have to take care of. You know, it it's, is. it's, it really is. Marriage is not just like unicorns and rainbows and smiley faces and heart emojis. It's not? And kissy faces. Uh, no. Really? It is, it, it <laughs> is, it's a, what would you call it? Big vagina? It's Gigantic. a big vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage <laughs> is a big vagina. <laughs> It'll suck you in and keep you there. Yes. Until you're ready to explode and let it that go. That is what the Dalai Lama says. <laughs> okay. That's what, that's what Confucius, Confucius say. Marriage is like big vagina. It sucks you in and it keeps you there. Hopefully holds you in place. And never lets you go. All right. Very good. Well, I got to get the sound effects out of the way because we're probably not going to have this any This thing is going to get serious uh, really well, uh, quick. You know, okay. So let's have a lot of fun and laughs right now. Yes. Let's get them all out of the way because in like five, four, three, two, one, it well, is going to get super, super. Serious. We have a couple of minutes. Uh, we have like three minutes. So let's uh, go ahead and bring our guests on. I guess. Okay, great. We're going to bring on Lauren Petkin, okay, who is a family law attorney who's practiced family law exclusively for 31 years. This broad knows her shit. Wow. She is a partner at Kalodney Law Group. Okay, this is the woman you need, everybody, if you're going on marriage, however many marriages, doesn't matter. <laughs> no matter how old you are, doesn't matter, this is, she's your gal. After specializing in complex family law litigation several years ago, she transitioned to non-litigation conflict resolution services, including media, I was about to say meditation, <laughs> mediation. She's a legal, med she doesn't legal meditation, uh, no mediation. She has negotiated and prepared countless prenuptial and postnuptial, which I need to understand what that is, postnuptial, agreements during her career. Lauren volunteers at the downtown courthouse as a daily settlement officer and at the Domestic Violence Project, as well as for Harriet Buhai Center, which is a low-income family law resource and help center. She also volunteers at Second Saturday, a divorce workshop that assists people in understanding the legal, financial, and emotional aspects of the divorce process. Welcome, Lauren Petkin, to Hi, Done Lauren. Being Single. Good morning, folks. And Lauren is in studio with us. Lauren is with us. That's I great. am. Live and She can touch color. us. So, <laughs> Tell the been, audience you've been that, a, we are, that we are real. You've been a little very quiet church mouse while we are I've been very, I'm not stepping That's into the big good. vagina conversation. <laughs> 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 That's the cack for anybody that doesn't know. All right. So anyway, <laughs> we could go south real quick here. We're going to have to keep it lighthearted. All right. Keep I'm, it I'm light. Doing, I'm doing my best. Okay. So, Lauren, you've been sitting here listening into this nonsense, but there's been truth and good stuff, right? A lot of and truth. And we're addressing some things that, that Robbie and I do, we have no clue about. So this is why we've brought you in, to clue us in to the process, pre, post, break it down for us, every, starting from what you know and how you can help people. You have one minute. Oh, and thank you. go! So... So, so well, when you, take your time. you're talking about confronting things, dealing with estate planning. So prenuptial agreement, same concept, confronting issues that a lot of people are uncomfortable confronting uh, before they get married. A lot of people don't have conversations about money and assets and income and characterization of property. So 
when people come to me for a prenuptial agreement, which is an agreement signed before marriage and only effective when you get married, I ask them, what do you think you want to protect? Because a lot of people have misconceptions about California law. So I give them a quick primer on California law. Everything you own and earn before marriage is separate property. All gifts and inheritance during marriage is separate property, which a lot of people don't Mm. understand because East Coast law is different. Anything earned and acquired during marriage is community property. So people today are much more sophisticated than when they were you know, when I started practicing. So a lot of people today have resources. They've been married. They've been divorced. They have a good idea of what they want when they come to see me. Um, So I break down and I say, what do you want to protect? How do you want to create community property, if at all? I get a lot more millennial 30-year-old couples that they're being pushed into prenups because the parents want to protect future inheritance or gifts. Makes sense. And it makes it very uncomfortable for young couples that where one side doesn't want to create community property and the other side wants to have community property. And then I get a lot of second, third marriages where they are creating no community property, And then you're dealing with also death benefits during marriage. When you deal with older couples and you're living in someone's house and what happens when someone dies and you want to be able to be fair and respectful. So the way I approach prenuptial agreements, because of my mediation background, is to say, tell me what you want to protect. How can we create community property if you want it? How is this agreement going to be fair and respectful and kind? Because my goal is to get them to the altar, not to break them up before they get married. And there's a lot of transparency. There's full disclosure in California about assets and income. And sometimes they are uncomfortable conversations, but it's a necessary um, necessary item that we need to do. Okay, well, this is a, a great start to our show. And uh, we are going to take our first break and come back with Lauren and our other guest, Virginia. So we will be right back. And we are back with Lauren Peckin. Lauren, why are prenups so, leave such a bad taste in people's mouths? You know, why is it just like the P word, you know? I think they leave a bad taste in some people's mouths because they deviate from California law. Because California law, when you get married, it's all about partnership. That is what marriage is in California. The presumption is you're going to jointly earn, you're going to jointly acquire. If somebody owns a business before marriage and that business grows during marriage, that growth and appreciation is joint. That's the concept of California law. It's a partnership you share. It's really what it was when our parents got married. You know, it was joint sharing. When people do prenuptial agreements, you're asking one side or both sides to deviate from the norm, and it gets to be uncomfortable. And one of the most emotional areas, which I'm sure Virginia will talk about, California is one of the few states where you can waive or limit alimony. And for me, that's one of the hardest challenges when dealing with young couples because you have, let's say, a groom who's from a wealthy family and the parents are trying to protect the bride-to-be from coming after the family money. And you're asking this 29, 30-year-old woman who has no idea what the future is going to be, what her health is going to be. Is she going to have children? Is she going to take time off from work to have children, her assets? And you're asking, asking somebody to you know, avoid 30 years in the future crystal ball and limit or waive alimony. So that's one of the hardest areas, I think, of negotiating a prenuptial agreement. When I deal with young couples, I really try and stay away from the alimony limitation or waiver. But in some cases, it's insistent upon, and you have to craft something, again, that tries to look into the future and tries to be respectful and kind. Because that's a very difficult thing to ask somebody when you don't know what the future is going to be. 
What about for older couples? As necessary? Um, for older couples, if they each have their own estate and they're financially stable, it's less of an issue. I do have some older couples where one is a higher earner, sometimes it's the woman, more assets, and there is still a gender bias here in California. I mean, it just is. We can't help it. We feel like women should not be paying support, but sometimes women is the high earner, and we're supposed to be gender neutral in the law. So that's always an interesting issue when you have a high earner, high asset female marrying a lesser earner male. They're older in their 50s and 60s, and you're dealing with the issues of a waiver of support and what happens upon death. So those are challenges. People have to sit down and have open, transparent conversations when you get married. How much of your clientele is post 45, post even 50 plus? Probably 50% in oh, really? prenups, but I'm doing a lot more for 30-year-olds wow. lately. That makes sense. I think 30-year-olds are much more sophisticated in watching either their parents get divorced or just knowing more about the law and what the future is for their businesses. It's not the most romantic thing. But no, it's probably the opposite of that, because, but it's the most realistic thing. And I think it's, uh, it's so pragmatic that you, you just need to address these things and just get it out of the way, get it done, so you don't have to think about it. But it's a difficult subject to approach because you have to, it has to be shared by both people equally in order to accomplish this, I think. If one person wants it, that's usually the person that wants to protect, I guess, their assets more than the other. And if the other person doesn't want it, how do you, what's the tools that you have to kind of bring them along to get them to accept that? Well, I always say to couples, you need to talk about this beforehand. You know, in the old days when I started practicing, you would just draft the prenup, you'd hand it to the bride-to-be, and she was supposed to go to lawyer. And nowadays, it's much more collaborative. And I, if a client comes to me and says, this is what I want, I say, have you talked to your fiance about it? And if he says no, I said, you need to. We're not going to just draft an agreement and hand it to her. So we today, there's a much more collaborative process, and people really appreciate that and like that. I mean, I have some prenups where we actually sit down with the two parties and both counsel, and we talk about what does this agreement look like? People talk about their interests, their fears, their concerns, security issues, financial security, what happens in death. And it's a much more open dialogue because there is typically one person that doesn't want it, but will eventually come along and sign it. Have you ever seen the process completely derail? Yes. I've or had, delay? I've, well, I've had a couple, probably three prenups in my entire career that the people just didn't get married. They that realized. Crazy. Oh, they so they actually ruined, the relationship was yeah. ruined because of the prenup. Well, or the, they just realized um, one person was being unfair, the lack of respect came out during the negotiation phase and they decided they weren't going to get married. So do you do you feel that that was something that might have happened regardless of the prenup but it happened because of it and where you know yes. trust issues come out in advance of the marriage which would cause people to uh, if they did get married they would have had those same issues later on? Yes, and actually it does show someone's true colors when you're negotiating yes. and talking about money because money is such a hot issue with couples. Yeah. I mean, as you know, yeah. Yeah. it's probably one of the most challenging, uncomfortable issues, regardless of how old you are, to talk about money. You're going to be marrying this person, and if somebody is so worried about money mm -hmm. and making sure that mm -hmm. I hold my little hoard of money over here and don't share it, 
it really makes you see the integrity of a person because at the end of the day, your love and respect for this person hopefully is more important than how much is your you know pot of money at the end of this. So that's one of the big things I think comes out is a person's character when they're negotiating a prenup. That makes sense. Some ugly shit can come out. In, but True it's better that it comes sure. out of then it than it is. does yes. a couple of years into the relationship, don't you think? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. So what are the perils of not doing it? Pitfalls, perils of not doing it. Well, perils of not doing it. I mean, depending on if you're older and you have children and you do want to protect your estate for your adult children from a former marriage or relationship, that's something that a lot of people want to do, and that's typically understood. So one pitfall is that if you don't have a prenup and you get divorced, your new spouse could go after your estate, what accrued during marriage, just like what happened you know, in your first um, divorce. Um, another pitfall is you're not really communicating with your spouse-to-be about issues that the prenup is forcing you to communicate about. I did one prenuptial agreement a couple of years ago, and it was um, for two men getting married, and when we had to do the financial disclosures, my client had no idea what his fiance earned, what he had, and they were living together for three years. And I said, you don't know how much your fiance earns. And he goes, no, we don't talk about money at all. So this prenup forced them to talk about money. And so one of the pitfalls is you're not talking about issues that people should normally talk about pre-marriage, whether you're going to a therapist to talk about it, a rabbi to talk about it. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. more young people today are doing counseling, premarital counseling, to how, talk about these issues. How is this couple doing today? Happily married, as oh, far excellent. as I know. I love hearing that. Knock that's on great. wood. Okay, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, well, let me say one more yes. thing. I actually think the success rate, I was asked recently, do you think people are more successful in their marriages after having done a prenup? And I think the answer is yes, because you have actually negotiated and navigated challenging issues beforehand, and cards are on the table, and I think it, and, and you know what the lay of the land is going to be if you get divorced. So I actually think people work harder to keep it together. Is there anything such as a postnup? Yeah, so a postnuptial agreement is agreements that are done after you get married prenuptial, postnuptial. Sometimes we run out of time doing the prenuptial agreement because negotiations take longer than expected and they're not changing their wedding And the date. invitations are ascendant. Right, <laughs> invitations is, are ascendant. Right. And in nine times out of 10, those agreements, people are on board. We do not have a problem negotiating them, turning it into a postnuptial. It's the same agreement, different language, because prenups are governed by family code. Postnuptial agreements, the body of law is very vague and gray in California. Some postnups, Lately, I've had some cases where people 10 years into their marriage decide they want to do a postnuptial agreement. Those you really have to carefully question because you cannot do a postnup in anticipation mm-hmm. of divorce. It's because somebody wants to recharacterize property mm-hmm. after they're already married. So that's what a postnuptial agreement is. It's recharacterizing property and assets, debts, after you're married. Good stuff. Important. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We going to... Would you like to uh, bring our other guest on? Yes, I do very much because she's going to um, really kind of bring it, tie it all up. She's going to have the counseling aspect of it. Okay, so let's introduce Virginia Gilbert. Okay, she is a licensed... Sorry for all the paper shuffling. 
she's a licensed marriage and family therapist in LA. She specializes in the treatment of divorce and sex and love addiction. She is also a freelance writer who's appeared in the Huffington Post, Good Men Project, Covey Club, Addiction.com, and the Weinberger Law Group blog. Virginia has just finished her first book, yay, Transcending High Conflict Divorce, How to Disengage from Your Ex and Find Your Power, which will be available on Amazon next month, June. Virginia Gilbert. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to Dunbean Single. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to say one thing. The book is actually launched as of today, so it's available today oh on my Amazon. Gosh. That is great. Love it. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, Thank you. Okay, so you've been listening in, and give us your thoughts and how your work all ties into this. Well, the, so people have very different values about money, and it's amazing to me, couples who are engaged, and they come in and they talk to me, and they're really arguing about money, and they haven't resolved their conflict and they're about to walk down the aisle so one person um may have the idea about money that it's it's just there to be spent and the other one wants to save everything um so i think you know what lauren was saying a prenup is actually a really good way if it's done properly to begin a conversation about money that will have to be discussed throughout the marriage. Um, and it's, you probably know this, but money and sex are two of the, or problems with money and sex are two of the biggest causes of divorce. Wow. Not enough and too, too much? much. <laughs> I don't know. Which, or vice which, versa. Is, which is which? Well, differences. <laughs> Let's just say that. Differences in both. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have another question for Virginia. You say the basis for any healthy relationship is being able to articulate one's needs clearly and effectively, and both partners being able to commit to meeting each other's basic needs. Can you elaborate? Yes. Um, so there's people, there's different attachment styles. And I think a lot of times when people are arguing, they're not really arguing about what they think they are. Their attachment styles are in conflict. So I'm gonna say this very briefly because it's, it's a little complicated. People who have secure attachment expect to have their needs met in relationships. People who have anxious attachment don't really expect to have their needs met and so they tend to misinterpret a lot of the things their partner might say to them because they have a fundamental kind of lack of trust about people in general. Um, people who have avoidant attachment get overwhelmed by another person's needs and feelings. So when people argue, um, it's that their attachment styles are in conflict. So um, it's very hard for them to communicate in an effective way. And in order to resolve any kind of conflict, um, instead of going back and forth and trying to prove who's right or give your partner an epiphany, which is only going to piss them off, um, you need to listen to your partner and validate their point of view before you can 
go back to yourself and say what you need to say. So a lot of my work with couples is teaching them coping skills to calm down an overactive nervous system so that they can actually listen to each other um, and say things in an effective way. I mean, when you get into, you never do this, um, people just shut down. Um, but if you talk about, um, you know, when you uh, presented me with this prenup so close to the wedding, it really made me upset and it made me, you know, wonder if I could trust you, um, that kind of thing. Okay, well, wow, great stuff. Uh, we do have to go to our second break right now. So we are going to come back with Lauren Petkin and Virginia Gilbert. We'll be right back. And we are back with our guests, Lauren Petkin and Virginia Gilbert, and Treva and myself. Lauren, you have a question? So Virginia, I have a question for you. It might yes. be a double question. Are you seeing more and more couples pre-marriage in the prenuptial negotiation process and if you are involved with that, do you like to work with the couples alone or do you like to be brought in with the attorneys and the parties to sort of have a collaborative meeting to talk openly about the issues? You know, I've never been brought in with an attorney um, collaboratively, but I think it's an excellent idea because, and I'm sure you've seen this, Lauren, negotiations break down because people's emotions are broiling and so I think having a therapist there could help people calm down so that they can really listen to each other and negotiate effectively I don't tend to work with prenups in my practice but I do work with a lot of couples who are having tremendous difficulty discussing finances and I've also had situations where the parents the adult, you know, the, the parents want their adult children to have a prenup. And it's really problematic when the adult child says to their fiance, I don't really want this, but my dad wants it. Because what does that do? It signals to the fiance that their intended is not really a grown up. And you got to be a grown up to get married. And it starts off family conflict because that means the person who's being asked to sign a prenup is going to get mad at, uh, at their in-laws. So it's just, it's really a good idea if instead of having it be this two people on separate teams, if you're on one team and you have an issue that needs to be negotiated. So it shouldn't be who gets the better end of the deal. It's how do we create a situation where we're being fair to both people and both people's needs get met and we establish a framework for having effective conversations about finances throughout the marriage. Virginia, you just said something about adult children, which is uh, kind of sparking a question I have for Lauren about adult children getting involved in the prenups of their parents when there is money there and dad or mom is remarrying again, and the adult children, you know, have a say or want to have some influence, and maybe how does that work, and does it really become problematic? Because my guess is it does. I've had a couple of situations where 
the parents are getting married late in life, typically widowers, and they don't want to be alone, and they're getting married again, and they met somebody, and it's a short period of time, and the adult children are very concerned about mm-hmm. the motives of the new bride. Um, what I tell the adult children is the client is their father. I'm really not supposed to be talking to the adult children about the agreement if the father and the adult children want to talk about it, but I'm not talking to the adult children. The client is my client. I talk to my client. Sometimes the parents in a sticky situation because they love this new person. This new person's going to be there to take care of them, hopefully forever, but they also want to placate their kids. So I talk to my client one-on-one and we talk about the issues. In those kind of cases, most typically though, we are protecting that person's separate property estate, but that person also wants to provide financial benefits to the bride-to-be because hopefully that person will be there until death do them part and they Mm -hmm. want to take Mm -hmm. care of that person. And the reality is adult children have to understand that. But that is a touchy situation. I would imagine so. Stepchildren, stepfamilies, blending families uh, can get super messy. Virginia, how much of your... Do we... Okay. How much of uh, your practice involves stepfamilies getting counseling? I typically... How can I answer that? I'd say there's a minority. I don't see a lot of step families. I tend to see the parents with blended families. Occasionally, everybody will come in, but it's generally the parents who are having difficulty blending the family. Okay. I, uh, being the contrarian that I am, uh, I'm <laughs> going to throw a little curveball. Have you ever advised against getting a prenup to somebody? I have. have I? A- no. Okay. I have not. Lauren? Uh, I have. Okay. What were the circumstances? The circumstances were um, that the person on the other side, honestly, was very, very wealthy. And the parents of my client thought that my client would do better with a prenup. And I said to my client, you will not do better with a prenup. Your gifts and inheritance during marriage are separate property. And your community will be much higher without a prenup. And so, so they, we just and I had explained that to the parents of the adult girl getting married, and we didn't have a prenup. And it made sense. And the person on the other side was actually fine. So with it. there are circumstances when that would be appropriate. Okay, another question, because coming out of divorces uh, when you are in your let's say fifties and you meet somebody new, let's say there's an occurrence where the parents of the of the guy getting married hates the new spouse. And they are getting ready to do some type of a prenup. But the parents, who may be wealthy, they really don't like the spouse. Is there a way that they can protect the inheritance that they're going to give to their child so that the spouse doesn't get anything? Is that too twisted? But I think I, that, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand. Well, actually, under California <clears throat> law, this is what I explained to the parents. Gifts or inheritance to their adult son, even without an agreement, is separate property. That person just has to keep that money in a separate account and not put the spouse on title. But let's assume the parents do not like the motives of the bride-to-be. Then in that case, yes, you can do an agreement that protects all property and make it separate property and a little community. But touching upon what Virginia said, if the groom loves the bride-to-be, you're in this situation where the bride is really negotiating with her future in-laws. She's getting married to the young man, and it becomes a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And I've had that situation where 
the bride saying, I'm not marrying your father, I'm marrying you. You need to put on your big boy pants and talk to me because this is our future. And those tend to be challenging negotiations that have to be made. I'm sure all those types of situations are, you know, are occurring constantly because not everybody loves everybody, unfortunately. Virginia, question for you about yes. couples that come to see you, not necessarily for premarital, but what about just boyfriend, girlfriends that come in and they're having problems just in their relationship and maybe they're not on the same page. And when I hear about a couple going to therapy, it feels like this is not a good sign. Are you saying pre-marriage? No, not even that oh. at that point. Maybe they, you know, one of them is sort of you know, aiming toward that and feels that the, that the partner, she's got to pull or he's got to pull her along and, and they're just not, uh, they're not seeing eye to eye. And I don't know, I don't think it's a very auspicious sign to, to have, to be counseling couples like boyfriend, just relationships. No, am I wrong? I actually think it's a very positive thing so for couples to come in, but it, you know, it depends on the issue. I mean, there will be couples that come in and I can tell from the first session that they're on their way out and it's one person's way of saying I need to get out of the relationship but I see a lot of couples who go on to have successful relationships because they have very particular issues like a common one is they love each other but they're having trouble um, with their sex life um, and, or they're having trouble with finances or they're not sure when to have children. But those issues, again, tend to be around values, attachment style and difficulty regulating emotion. Um, and then when you work on those specific problems, the relationship really improves. So I, I don't think it's a bad sign that couples are going to couples therapy. It really is very dependent on a particular situation. I tend to agree with Virginia on that one. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it's just not a good sign if they're having to see therapy so early on in a relationship and it doesn't bode well, but I don't know. The other the other thing that I want to see is I see a lot of millennials who are quite sophisticated mm-hmm. who come in because they want to build relationship skills. They want to work on problems before they get married and they know about attachment styles. They know about trauma. They're very sophisticated. And I love working with those people because they want to put the work in. Where I think couples who are, you know, a lot older aren't quite as sophisticated. And maybe they've been in a relationship for longer with ill will building. I'm telling you, millennials are smarter than us in many ways. <laughs> They're, they're way more hip than we were at that age, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Lauren and I are nodding our heads, yes, as you're mentioning attachment theory, because it's sort of, we just did an episode exactly on this topic a few days ago with um, a fellow named Dr. Gary Sawyer. Ring a bell? Um, I've heard his name. Okay, it was great. And I, this, uh, this whole podcasting experience for me has, I was saying it's opened me up to a lot of new things and I've been introduced to all these new interesting relationship concepts and theories, attachment theory being one, it's still really new and it's so fascinating because I think it is literally the key to everything. I agree with you, but I will also add 
affect regulation, which is a fancy way of saying managing your moods. It's really the two together. Wait, didn't we manage our moods a different way in the 60s? Virginia? <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, that doesn't really work long term very well. I manage my moods with hormone therapy and really good weed. <laughs> and alcohol. Yes. And uh, mood management is a big part of our life. Yeah. Okay, so attachment theory. Are we going to break? We are going to go to a break okay. right now, unfortunately. Our last break. Okay. And we will be right back. And we are back. And we were talking about attachment theory. And Virginia, let's just say, let's just create a little scenario here, that Robbie and I, before we got married, we came to see you. And we discover, or you establish fairly early, that Robbie has a secure attachment style, which I think he does. And I tend to be a little more anxious in my attachment style. How would you counsel us? Well, I would tell you that the good news is that you're actually a good match because, Treva, if you were anxious and Robbie was avoidant, um, there's a lot of problems with that dynamic. But you are getting, your nervous system is going to be regulated by Robbie's secure attachment. So one thing that I work with anxious people on is early on learning how to assert your needs effectively because sometimes people with anxious attachment do a lot of what we call protest behavior. So they say things in very dramatic ways or they storm out of the room because they're really looking for validation that the other person is there for them, but they do it in ways that can drive another person away. So it's really important for the anxiously attached person, instead of playing games or trying to get the other person to guess how they feel, to just say what you need effectively. And then you know if you're with somebody who has a secure attachment because they're going to respond to your request in a reasonable way because they want to meet your needs. If you're with somebody who acts like you're just so incredibly demanding, with everything that you ask for, that's probably an indication that they have an avoidant attachment style. So the first thing to do is to assist people in communicating their needs effectively and then to help them with coping skills so that they can manage their moods so that they don't kind of explode at their partner. That's great stuff. This is such an important concept. Virginia, I think I need a new provision in my prenups with a representation of what someone's attachment style is. I think you do. That's really? an awesome idea. That is, it's, it, it's important to establish early on. I wish I had this information a long time ago, but you get, you get it when you get but it. But you, you already learn, got some. What would attachment. you have done if you had it? <laughs> well, already it's been an eye-opener for me, just recently learning about it. I've learned it connects the dots for me. I, it answers a lot of questions for me as to why I am and why I do the things and feel the way I do about stuff. And it's kind of at one, you know, one part a relief and empowering. And then it scares the shit out of me too, because, you know, finding out, oh my God, there's a reason for, there's a name for it. But, you know, now what? Like now this is, okay, let's take this information and use it productively and let's work on the issues that it that it creates. So that's the good news about this. I know that attachment style becomes established fairly early on because, right, you pick it up from your family of origin, you you get things from your parents, you saw how they related, and therefore it 
kind of creates, that's how you start to create your own attachment style. Is that correct, Virginia? That's correct. Okay. So what do you say to the older couple who've been, you know, living their life and around the block a few times and it's only more dug in and it's only more uh, hardwired? How do you get two people that are in their 50s coming together that have different attachment styles? How do you undo or, or rewire well, that's definitely trickier because these people have a much longer history of kind of incompatible attachment styles. So they've got that history to overcome. And a lot of times it just doesn't work. But I would still approach it the same way and help people see that a lot of times what they're responding to isn't what's actually happening in the present. They're triggered thinking of early attachment ruptures with caregivers um, that, that really don't have that much to do with a partner. So to the extent that they can sort of step back and separate their baggage from what's going on in the moment, they can calm down and work on their issues and learn to attach in healthy ways. But again, I don't want to say that it's not fixable, but it's much more challenging when couples are older and they've spent, you know, 20 years with one person pursuing and the other person avoiding. I was just going to say from the lawyer prenuptial point of view on that one, I'm dealing with older couples that seem so different in terms of negotiation and attachment theory, the, the very least I can get them to sit down and talk openly about what just factual, what are they scared about? How do they want to be secure? So in that context, dealing with numbers and dollars and legal issues and security and fears, I can actually negotiate a prenuptial agreement with that. I cannot, I may not be able to help their argument dialogue styles when they're married, but at least we can do an agreement that lays out if they get divorced and have that open transparent, regardless of how different they are in their attachment concepts. And and that kind of leads me to this question, and that's, I'm sure that you've had some complicated uh, situations in the, in the past, whereas uh, you may have had a younger couple that did have a prenup, they get divorced, the prenup obviously is in effect, and the let's say the gentleman meets somebody new and he wants a new prenup with his new bride. And so can you have uh, concurrent prenups running or is one prenup done when the relationship is done and that deal is final and then you're on to the next prenup for the next relationship? I mean, is that... That's happened to me. And actually, I hate to tell you, sometimes we just change the name of the bride and it's the same prenuptial agreement. He, he knows what he wants and he's going to find somebody who's going to sign that prenup. And are any of those initial prenups running concurrently? Not concurrently. Not concurrently. You're typically only engaged in one person at a time, hopefully. <laughs> but, or unless you're in Utah. I, yes. I don't know. Okay. But yes, I was just curious about the, the complex nature of some of these uh, relationships sometimes. Getting back to the emotional aspects of it, though. This is where I'm so fascinated. So just because you grew up with not great role models, maybe your parents divorced, maybe whatever, they, there wasn't you know great healthy modeling of love and healthy relationship does not doom you to, if, to future marital problems, or does it? 
I mean, I, I can only speak for myself because my parents divorced when I was six. And who knows if that had anything to do with my choices later in life. But just curious. I'm sure it did. Can you overcome those? Absolutely. You know, and I'm very optimistic about human behavior and human potential. Otherwise, I wouldn't do what I do. Um, I, I think, first of all, just to talk about divorce for a minute, yes, it's traumatic, but a lot of how children respond to divorce long term, part of it has to do with their innate temperament. I mean, some kids are just much more resilient than others. And so they'll just adjust better. Um, the other thing that's important to look at is the degree of conflict. If you have an amicable divorce, kids are much more likely to actually be better off in that situation than staying in an intact family with two parents who hate each other and are constantly fighting. So that's, that's one thing. The other is it really is about how much you want to work on your own personal growth. As I mentioned before, I see so many young people come in who are savvy, who are reading books about attachment, who are reading about trauma, who want to learn how to communicate effectively. So if you want to really, if you want to grow, you can do it. But obviously you need to pick somebody who's got complementary values, who's also on the same path to personal growth, because you can't make somebody else change. So that's why it's really important to pick somebody who, well, everybody should be picking someone with a secure attachment style, because it's just, it's much more likely to lead to success. And if you're, if you have an anxious attachment style, if you're with a securely attached person, you will learn to become more secure. Yes, that's Yay. A, there is hope. There is hope. That is a great note. To, <laughs> unfortunately, we do have to wrap up our show. Oh wow! So, Virginia, please let us know how everybody can find you. Let me give you my website, which is www.virginiagilbertmft.com. I have, uh, for people in Los Angeles, I actually have three offices. I'm in Silver Lake, I'm in Westwood, and I'm in the Beverly Grove area, which is right around the Grove. My number is 323-528-6747. And if you want to get my book, Transcending High Conflict Divorce, How to Disengage from Your Ex and Find Your Power, just go to Amazon and you can put my name in or put in the, the title of the book and it will provide links to either get the ebook or the paperback. Excellent. And Lauren? I'm, can... I'm pretty much old school. So the best way to find me is my firm website. Smoke signals. Smoke signals. <laughs> pigeons. Carrier pigeons. Strings right. and bottles. <laughs> Pony Express. Uh, Pony Express. Kolodny uh, Law Group. K-O-L-O-D-N-Y, Law Group. You can go on the firm website. It has my email address and the firm phone number. That's okay. excellent. Forgot what I was going to say. Okay. Well, but <laughs> I didn't. And I was about that, to wrap it up and well, then also plug myself, but well, can't you can't do both at the same time. I will plug yourself later. But okay. here we go. So we are celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary. So we have to do some fireworks and things going on. Thank you so much. It's really wonderful. And uh, this will air at another time, but uh, we are going to celebrate tonight and tomorrow and for the, rest of, for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. Pretty much, because we are done being single. And hopefully, awesome. and hopefully everybody listening is done being single. 
Right. Okay, so congratulations to us all. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Virginia, for being on the show. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.